You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode 12 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Ruth Crest. Ruth Crest is a five-piece pop punk band from Los Angeles, California. The band recently released a new single titled By Your Side on Spotify, Apple Music, and all other streaming platforms. They released a music video for said song on their YouTube channel as well. Uh, They've got some shows coming up June 30th at the Foundation Room in Anaheim, July 7th at the White Oaks Music Hall, and August 9th at Emo Night in Pomona, California, the Flyaway at the Fox Theater. Uh, they're a really, really great band. I'm, I'm glad they came on as a sponsor. I'm, I'm digging their stuff a lot. Uh, if you want to check them out on social media, you can go to, uh, actually just go to their website, www.ruthcrest.com. That's R-U-T-H-C-R-E-S-T. Facebook.com forward slash Ruth Crest. Instagram, uh, Ruth Crest. And Twitter, Ruth Crest. It's the same thing on everything. Ruth Crest. R-U-T-H-C-R-E-S-T. Um, they're a really cool band. They just put out a new EP recently called uh, Preseason. And uh, By Your Side is actually on that EP. You can get it on iTunes. I'm sure you can get it other places as well. But, you know, go to iTunes. That's that's the place to go. Um, so I'm going to play their song, By Your Side, right now. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is, Ruth Crest with By Your Side.
this is Rob Felicetti from Patent Pending, and we're listening to That One Time on Tour with Chris Swinney. Run for the gold, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. And we'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the bank tomorrow, we'll do it, we'll do it all again. Hello, welcome back. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Chris Swinney. This is That One Time on Tour. You're back. Another week has gone, and uh, we're back with a new episode. Uh, thank you so much for checking out last week's episode at my my annual rock and roll summer camp. Uh, it's near and dear to my heart, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was a pretty big episode. I didn't think it was going to be because we didn't really have like, you know, a, a quote unquote, like, you know, rock star guest or whatever. But it was a lot of fun talking to the kids. And um, we had an awesome concert on Saturday. Uh, a few hundred people were there. The kids did a really, really good job. And uh, I've got another one coming up in August. So maybe we'll do another episode from uh, from the Rock and Roll Summer Camp, the, the autumn edition uh, coming up in August and September. So, uh Yeah. Uh, this thing, like as always, I tell you guys every week, it's a lot of fun to do. Uh, once again, it is super late. It's almost two o'clock in the morning and uh, my dog is behind me, my dog Lucy, and she is snoring. And uh, this is when I get to do this because I just got my son to sleep a couple hours ago and I've been editing and doing all this stuff. So um, I'm going to tell you about my guest this week. My guest is Mr. Rob Felicetti. Uh, Rob plays in the band Patent Pending. He was in the band Pull the Pin that uh, the Ataris toured with back in the day. Uh, he actually played in the Ataris. There was an infamous moment where he actually had drums thrown at him on, on stage. <laughs> we talk a little bit about that. It's all water under the bridge now, though. You know, Don't look for any kind of a scoop or anything. Like There's no bad blood. Everybody's cool. But uh, this was a really cool episode. I hadn't talked to Rob for a very long time, and um, we talked about all kinds of things and about touring together. And, you know, Pat and Pending's done all kinds of crazy stuff. They, they, they tour in the UK. They play. They did a bunch of tours with Bull in for Soup. Rob actually played with Bull in for Soup for a while. Um, what else? They, they won a billboard music award. They got to play on the award show in front of like 8 million people. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff in this. It's a very dense episode. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. I want to get some business out of the way before we get to my, to my conversation with Rob. We had a new sponsor at the beginning of the show, uh, Ruth Crest. They are from Los Angeles, California. Great band. Make sure that you pick up their new EP preseason. It's on iTunes, it's on all the all the, the, the whatever they are, the streaming things, Apple Music, Spotify, all that stuff. So check out Ruth Crest. They're really, really good. And um, if you want to become a sponsor, hit me up, tototpodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll figure everything else out, and you can become a sponsor. I've got a really good sponsor for next week's episode, but I'm going to tell you about that until that episode comes out. So um, yeah, that's it. Just uh, check us out on all the social medias. It's TOTOT plat- <laughs> platform. I can't even talk. That's why it's so late and I'm very, very tired. TOTOT podcast and all the social media platforms. Uh, as I said before, you can email me, TOTOT podcast at gmail.com. You can tell me if you want me to have like a special guest or, or whatever. You want to ask me questions, whatever you want. Um, so yeah, check us out there. iTunes. I cannot stress this enough. Please leave us a review. Even if it's a bad review, just leave us a review. Subscribe to us on iTunes. But you can also listen to us on SoundCloud at TOTOT Podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to get into my episode with Mr. Rob Felicetti of Patent Pending. 
and he used to play in the Ataris and a bunch of other stuff too. So here it is, my conversation with Rob. Let's go. Hey Rob, what's going on, man? This is Chris. I haven't talked to you in a long time, buddy. Chris Swinney, what's up, bud? It's been like, I honestly think it's been years. It's been years, but I mean, you know, once in a while on the internet, like I'll like your stuff or, or you'll, you'll like yeah. my stuff. So, I mean, we're, we're never that far away, I guess, but it's been a long time since we've actually <laughs> chatted about things. And that's real life now. <laughs> that's real life now. Now there has to be a, a reason to actually have a chat. Like we're actually going to put it up on the internet for people to check out, right? Oh, yeah. It's the same way with Gavin, which, you know, you're friendly with Gavin. You knew Gavin before I knew Gavin. When he was on the podcast, it yeah. was like, why haven't we just been hanging out and talking anyway? Like, why do we have to record it for the internet? <laughs> well, where are you now? Are you ba- are you in Indiana? Or Last I knew you were in, like, uh, an island. I don't even know anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I moved from Indiana about six or seven years ago to Gulf Shores, Alabama for a job. And um, I was working for the Hangout Music Festival down there. Um on the beach a lot of people don't even know that alabama has a beach it's about only like two or three miles but there is a beach there it's a little uh, note. yeah and then i i played music for a while after that with a couple bands down there and then uh moved to jamaica to work for margaritaville in their entertainment department and uh then we moved from jamaica back to indiana so i've been all over the place but yeah i'm back in muncie indiana you guys remember that you guys played Good old muncie. muncie. oh yeah oh yeah and then uh, uh your buddy had that record shop yeah, yeah, that, Village Green, ask. Village Green Records on Ball State that's campus. Torn. Yeah, yes, oh yeah, Ball State. Yes, that's for all this now. <laughs> so let's get uh, let's get a little bit of backstory before we jump into the stuff that you and I have kind of shared, and then some of the other stuff. But um, so um, what got you into music, man? Like back in the day, what was the first kind of you know with me? I went and saw Metallica when I was like 11 years old, and I wasn't even that into him honestly. But my dad's like, hey, let's go to a concert, and I went. And it changed my life. And then, then from there, I found the Misfits and NoFX and like all the stuff that I loved. What was your kind of the synthesis for everything that came after that? After that? Well, it's like, it's really bizarre because uh, I guess, I mean, the first concert I ever saw, I was like eight and it was Eric Clapton at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> it's like a, it's a great introduction to live music, I'd say. That's you a know, that's a like, great first concert, though, man. I mean, I know yeah. uh, the, the one of my the guitarists for my first band. His first concert was New Kids on the Block. So you've got uh, you've got him beat. Yeah, well, eh, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> debatable. Well, yeah, but it was. I mean, so I grew up kind of like around music. Like uh, my dad did like the bar band thing and stuff. So like I'd be around that as a kid, and it always seemed kind of neat. There's always like guitars in the house and shit like that, and. uh we were going to see that concert. I didn't know, like, I was eight years old. I didn't know, like, what a concert was. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, the first band is on. I'm like, that's not Eric Clapton. My mom explained to me, like, what an opening band is. <laughs> my, dad, like, my dad did the same thing because, like, when he's like, hey, let's go see Metallica. I was like, so the guys that are on my tape are going to play the songs? Like, I didn't. I did, we're just, just going to. your mind around it. We're going to stand and watch? Like, I just didn't understand it when I was that age. Oh, you know? yeah. And, and it just like it's weird because what's unfortunate to really think about it that dude whoever the opener was for that concert this guy was touring with Eric Clapton like doing the biggest thing you can do he's touring stadiums and arenas yeah. world's Eric Clapton and I don't remember who it was <laughs> you know, we should get we should get uh, on the internet and check that out try to find out I'm sure we could find it like during yeah. this call but you know what because you know do you know what year that was you're a bit younger than I am it was it, yeah it was the it was the 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 Pilgrim tour so whenever he was supporting that album. 
Well, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll figure it out and put it in the show notes so people can, can go check yeah, that out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so, like, so that was my first, like, concert. And I was, like I said, it was around just, like, guitars and stuff in my house and everything. And then uh, when I was, like, 13 or something like that, and, you know, my brother Ted. Yeah. Uh, so him and my, my buddy Ian, who, like, lived up the street, we, like, ride bikes with each other and stuff. They, uh, they were, like, we're going to start a band. And we're, like, all right. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. But my brother's, like, I have a crappy, like, you know, Squire Strat, and Ian's like, I bought like some dumb, like red Ibanez bass. And my buddy's brother was selling this old, like, awesome, actually. And I think about it, but at the time it was a like, kid. So it was this dumb, like, gold sparkle Ludwig kit, like a 70s Ludwig kit. And I bought that from him. It was all like rigged up and shit. And uh, we just started playing, like, whatever, like, literally anything. And, and, and I grew up only listening to, like, the Beatles until I was, like, 10. Okay. And I discovered, and I discovered like, Dude Ranch then from <laughs> 82, which I'm still a sucker for that band and that album and everything. I mean, so, dude, people talk shit, but I love Blank. I've always loved Blank. Of course. Blank. You know, yeah. people, people that talk shit, you're like, you're going to get a song stuck in your head regardless. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's something about that. So, like, yeah, the th- we just three of us like, kind of started this terrible band and, like, played along and stuff and did the whole thing. And I remember we saw Lit at um, Tink's in Scranton. There's this old club in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And that was, like, my first show. So, like, you not, know? like, major, like, arena, but, like, a show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the first time. I'm going to, like, a club to see a rock show. And it was okay. lit. And it was awesome. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it sounds just like their album. And, these, and this is such a great, like, thing. And it was really cool. And um, the uh, after that, we used to go see um, – we that's, like, what got us into music. And then we, that's, like, led us into listening to, like, punk rock stuff. Like I said, it was, you know, No Effects is still my favorite band. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and just bad religion and Pennywise and all that stuff. Can, can, we, got... can we do like a tangent and we'll come back to this now? Yeah. I, I kind of want to tell my thoughts on this as well, maybe. But I wanted to get your your thoughts on what kind of just happened with No Effects. Yeah. Like we, we do don't have, do we don't have to go too deep, but I, I do want to know because you're my friend and and, and I yeah. kind of feel a certain way. Now you know if the listeners out there don't know, they said some some kind of off color remarks at a show in Vegas about the shooting victims. And now they've kind of been blackballed. Like I don't know if you follow them on social media, but I thought no promoter in the U.S. is gonna is booking them. All of their shows are canceled. They're blackballed pretty much everywhere. I mean, they're in Europe right now doing the Punk and Drublick Festival. They're mostly is, blackballed in America, from what I yeah, saw. Like Canada yeah. and Mexico, and Europe is still like taking them in. So I mean, you know, you're like I have. You've met those guys. Yeah, right? I mean, well, I've like, spent a lot of time with Fat Mike. And he's just you know. Yeah, I mean, I've I've met those guys many times. I, I've played shows with them. Like, they're great people. Like, to yeah. me, they always have been. I know there's kind of this front where, like, the punk rock bullshit, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, how do you feel about what's happening? You don't even have to comment on what they said, but how do you feel about the backlash? I get it. Yeah, well, so, I mean, to be completely, like, the way I feel about it is nothing that hasn't been said by a million people already. So I don't have any, I don't, I don't think I have a unique stance on how I feel about it. It's It's black and white. What he said was ridiculous. Yeah. But at the same time, what they always say is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, don't you feel like maybe with certain people in entertainment or in like, you know, out there in the public world, sometimes you take it with a grain of salt because like, what have they normally said about other things? I mean, it's Fat Mike. I mean, get right. I I feel, I feel kind of like I, it was horrible what he said. You know, right. I, I never want to be on that side of thinking even because I don't think he really thought that he was just being punk rock and stupid. Yes. But I, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's it's fat Mike. Like, get the fuck over it. That's how I well, feel. Well, how I really like um, is the way I kind of registered it was no effects is a band that didn't they didn't uh, like 
do their their maturing as a band if they did mature (laughs) (laughs) but like they didn't do any of that during the time where like people were pulling up their phones and 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 videoing a show so like for them for no effects playing a show it's always just for the a thousand people, whatever it is, in the room. Like, it's just for those people, right? And I right? think it's shock value, but, I mean, that's part of being kind of in of a band. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of their shtick. That's, that's how they got their career, like, you know, to what it is. That's part of it, I should say. I mean, they're incredible musicians, incredible Definitely. songs, the whole thing. Um, I'm not just saying it's just shtick, but that's part of it. Yeah. And, like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way I see it, is, is they're playing for this room of people. And they say stuff, and I've been in, I've been in 100 NoFX concerts, and they'll say something ridiculous, and you, and you just go, Ugh, and then you chuckle, and then they keep, and then you just forget, you know, move on. Yeah. So they're saying stuff like that and expecting the same thing they've been doing for thirty years. But when there's but, like half the crowd has their phones out, and in five, right, and five minutes, TMZ is that talking never about in, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean to talk over you so much, but no, yeah, it's fine, it, dude. It's a conversation. I, <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's yeah, like so. That's the thing. So when someone at a show is like filming it and putting it there, it's being put out to potentially 7 billion people that were never intended to be at that show. Yeah. So, so again, it's not just like, Oh, it's okay because no one else heard it. It's just like, if, if people had YouTube and cell phones from the start of this band, the way it works now, they wouldn't be as successful as they are because they would have been gone a long time ago. Of course. (laughs) And it doesn't, I'll never defend what he said. I don't know. It's it's insane. It's indefensible, but that's the reason that I think it's almost ridiculous is because it is so indefensible that I'm sure it was just meant in jest, which still is not that cool. Of it was. No, 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 no. But it's 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 one of those things. Like there, I mean, there are social cues. Like yeah. and there are things where it's like, hey, like too soon, you know. Like Definitely. I mean, you, it's crazy now because we're living in a world where there's people that can formulate like smart opinions that were and they were born after 9/11 happened. So that's <laughs> you know true. What I mean? Yeah. So. Like, and people, I've, I've, I remember just watching that on TV when I was, you know, when I was in in school, and like that whole thing. But my, my, the point I'm making here is like, people now I hear like cracking jokes about it, and in my head I'm like, wow, like, ooh. but to them it's like not too soon. They might not have even been alive when it yeah. happened. That's making jokes about like uh, JFK or something. Like, <laughs> you see what I mean? It's like some yeah. like horrible thing, but it's ah, it's so far removed. You can you can make a joke about like. Uh, Jeez, I don't know. Like someone in the 15th century dying, and it'll be like, yeah, whatever. Like it's yeah. a joke. You use it as as a fodder for a joke. Where the joke, that, the stuff that they use, is still a really fresh wound. And that's uh, I know my buddy, one of my best friends, lives in Las Vegas. He was actually supposed to be working that event. He he works. Uh, I had a like, friend that was actually like a gaffer guy, like on the crew that was there too. Yeah. 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 Oh, and that's so when you know about this, that that's where it, like hits home. So there's more people that are personally tied to that event that horrible scenario yeah. where they're going to be like oh like how dare you say that because i have been affected by it definitely so it's not me i'm saying like that that's the person yeah who... definitely yeah so I, I totally understand the out the outlash for it i i think it's a bit much where it's like they're banned from performing in the united states for a band that does this stuff so you know that's that's how i feel about the whole thing it's it's really it's 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 50 50 like oh that sucks shouldn't have said that but also like hey let's there are no effects. Well, I can also I, I was I'm kind of drawing a parallel to it. You know, growing up in the Midwest, kind of, you know, lower middle class, whatever you want to say, Roseanne was a big deal, that TV show. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I always loved that show. And when it came back this last season, I really liked how they handled the politics and like, you know, her sister was Democrat, she was Republican and kind of the push and pull, but it was all in good fun. And when she did what she did with her with her tweet. I mean, here's what I feel. Yeah, it's horrible. What she said was like the worst thing in the world. 
but I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's the character. Like, that's the thing where it's like, yeah, this actress did this. She, I mean, I, I don't really know actually everything about that. I, from what I understand, she like was just being like a horrible racist. There, there were some racist <laughs> comments made that should not have been made. She blamed it on taking Ambien. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's that's right because I saw Ambien like tweet back like it's not one of our side effects. <laughs> it's like being racist is not a side effect of Ambien. But my thing, <laughs> my thing is, and I mean this might not be a popular thing, and like I'm not trying to blow myself up here, but like I get it. If we knew every thought and every bad thing that all the artists that we like have done, there'd be no art to like. Right. Do you know? I mean, and I'm not I'm not defending what she said. I think of it's horrible. Not. And I'm not defending what Fat Mike said. I think it's horrible. But right. that's not gonna make me And dis- I don't defend what like Archie Bunker says, you know yeah. what I mean? But that <laughs> Definitely. See what I mean? It's the same same stuff. And it's it's like it's I think it's more like the world has matured, and it, whether for for better or for worse, in some ways much better. In some ways, it's it's worse. So I get like there's this weird fine line between hypersensitive and really to, like fighting for what you believe in and what's right. Like I think everyone, anyone that I'm going to associate, I think is going to agree that like racism is wrong and yeah. sucks. <laughs> so like yeah. I, I feel like that's just common sense stuff, you know. Well, and that's the thing. Like if if I say that I still want to watch Roseanne and someone says I'm racist, they're ridiculous. Like, yeah, you're not racist for liking a show. <laughs> and if I, if I want to go listen to the decline, when we get off the phone, that doesn't mean that I agree with what he said in Vegas. I just love that song. I love that record, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's really, that's what it is. I mean, I, I could, I couldn't have said it better. Like it's don't, you don't have to feel bad about listening to no effects now because fat Mike said some insensitive comments. That's really the bottom line of the whole thing. Well, I mean, I'm sorry about the tangent, but like I said, this is a conversation, and I really wanted to know what you thought because I know how much you love them just like I do. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean it's like them and the Beastie Boys are pretty much my number one favorite band. You know what? And the stuff that I've actually – the stuff you've written and the bands you've been in, I mean, maybe not like sonically, but I can see your influences. No effects and the Beastie Boys together kind of makes sense. <laughs> for, for, All right. Thank you. Well, I'm, comp- I'm, yeah, it's a compliment. Even like like the things like the, I mean, patent pending, which is the band you're in now. Pull the pin back in the day. So, I mean, why don't we? What was your first band that you ever started? Was it that band with your friends that you were just telling me about? Yeah, with my brother and my my buddy Ian. It was called, uh, and we were kids at the time. We were little kids, and we started this band. And and uh, we called the name of the band was Blunt. So we didn't realize that that was like a drug thing. We Blunt? just named it that. Yeah, we named it after a, a Blunt slide, like the skateboard trick. And our because our buddy Ian was like really into skateboarding, and I like tried and always got hurt. But like, uh, I actually stopped. Try, I I tried for a really brief amount of time and stopped because I was drumming. I was be, like learning how to be a drummer. Okay. So I was like, I don't want to break my arms. You know what I mean? And never got could even hardly do it. Anyway, yeah, that was the name of that first band. But we changed our name pretty quickly. Uh, to it was called Shortwave Radio, which we thought was a neat name. And that we actually kind of went like for being kids you know we were still in high school but we were like going we were we'd start touring like really like punk ass like diy tours like fire halls and stuff like that some of the first shows that we did like out of state as that band were were before they were big was with like yellow card and like yeah with uh we used to play with big wig a lot and And you you guys were always in pennsylvania right like kind of is that where you were at then well, we were, yeah, we're, uh, I was born in New York City, but then moved to Pennsylvania when I was, like, in, like, third grade or something. Okay. And, um, yeah, yeah, but we would, like, we actually, we took this band, like, around, like, we went up into, like, New England. But I got to remember, we were children. I was, like, 14, 15, 16 years old doing this. We went up into, like, Boston, played up there, up into Vermont, like, down into, like, 
I think we the farthest we ever played was like down somewhere south, like Virginia or down there or something. But like for kids, you know, we were trying to like get some make make it work. We were seeing how like other like punk bands are doing. Like we got really close with um with Bigwig from Jersey. Yeah, you know Bigwig. You know Tom. He's no, the best. He's my buddy, dude. I love Tom. Yeah, he's great. And uh, he's an awesome songwriter and, and just an awesome band. They shred, man. And they're like a, what people could call like a pop punk band, but then they've yeah. got like sucker riffs, and it's it's awesome. I mean, if so you, you listen to songs like Flavor Ice and then you listen to yeah. like Mr. Asshole, like they're yeah. totally different, right? But the same, but still sounds like the same band, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they were a big part of like me doing the whole like into the punk rock thing was, was Big Wig, like really big part of that. And, um, yeah, we were just, I mean, kind of just going for it. And then around that time is when I was like a, a little, it was like the end of high school. It was like a senior. And like my mom really hated that. She was always supportive, but then she kind of was like, are you not planning on like furthering your education? And, you know, like a classic parent discussion. It's like, yep. you know, when I look at it now, I'm an adult. It's like, she's just looking out for me. She's not doing it because she's like, I don't want you to not have fun, you know, the whole thing. So I was like, all right. I kind of like stopped doing that. My brother kept going with it. And I went to college, and while I was there, I was like, I didn't really like it all that much. I didn't hate it. I wasn't like, this place is terrible. I was just like, this doesn't really seem like it's for me. But I kept going. I did it. But I had to, like, I wanted to keep playing music. Um, so I just, like, kept doing it. I started writing some songs at school and uh, started that the my old band, uh, Pull the Pin. And um, in doing that, we were just like, cool. Like, let's just – we made some friends over the years and stuff, and we got to play like, a couple dates on, like, the Warp Tour and stuff like that. We thought it was really cool. We just kept doing our thing and then playing and doing some more tours and, like, going out nowhere really far. I don't think we toured any farther than, like, Florida. Um, in, like, the Midwest, we go out there a bunch. And then you guys, when you were at the Ataris, you guys took us out. And you and you really, uh, like, kind of took us under. And, like, you were, like, our, our, like, tour dad. Like, you took care of us. and like Gavin talked a, a lot about that because that's – I just remember, like, you guys – I don't even know how it came about. I don't know if like your brother was booking because your brother booked for us for a while. Yeah, I, I didn't know if like that's how the connection happened. I just you know Chris said, "Hey, we're going on tour with this band called Pull the Pin." You know, I'd never heard of you guys, and the first day we we hook up with you guys, like I just I felt a kinship with you guys. You guys seemed like nice people, and and some of the guys. I mean, I don't know how long it took to kind of be friends with everybody, but I know right off the bat, like you and me and Gavin, and I mean, we all kind of hung out and just talked, and it was really cool. Yeah, it was great. It was, and that was, and that was really great about because going into that tour, we were a little intimidated because we're like, we don't know these guys. Like, I had met Chris a couple times, like at the Warp tour, when I was like, you know, I'm like, you know, I had Blue Skies, Broken Heart as a kid, you know, like, so, <laughs> um, and like he, him and uh, him and my brother kind of knew each other because they did some, like they were together, and then that's how my brother became their agent. And then I just kind of knew him through my brother almost. So yeah, I I think Chris asked if my brother's band wanted to tour. My brother was like, "Yeah, I don't really do that." Well, style. your brother your brother was in Split Fifty. Split Fifty, yeah. I remember because yeah. I, I that tour. I think that tour that you were on, I, we may have played one show with them. Yeah, in like was it State a, College or somewhere. State at that place with the glass like walls or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was called what was it called like like Sozo or something like that. I kind of yeah. remember. Weird, the stuff that sticks in your memory. Well, and it, I just always thought it was weird, too, because, like, uh, wasn't Josh Bodwell in that band? Yeah. And oh, yeah. Josh went on to be on TV, and he's, like, a crazy yeah, tattoo artist. Oh, well, yeah, he lives uh, – we live five minutes from each other now. That's crazy. I want to get yeah. a tattoo from him so bad, but I know he's probably booked up. Like, like, a 15-year waiting list. That's crazy. <laughs> you tell him if he, like, clears me some time, I'll come out there. All right. I'll tell him. I'm sure he'll make it work. I know he's a good guy, but okay. So you get you, you're on, you're going on tour with us, uh, the Atari. Yeah, yeah. 
and that was like that was probably like a little more extensive for us because I mean, when the Ataris would tour, it was always like beat yourself into the ground and tour for a billion days straight. It was, it was brutal, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was like, for us, we're like, oh my God, getting into this thing. But it was really like, like you said, like that, for, we felt very welcome, especially by you from that first day. Chris is a weirdo, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk he about that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, always, I mean, it's not that he wasn't nice, like to us. He was really nice to us. And he was very, but he's like, you know, it's, uh, he's socially kind of like, all right, I'm going to go do my thing. <laughs> and it was just a lot of fun. Like we pretty much spent most of the time with you and like Jake and Brian and, it was just a fun trip. Like we'd do our little sort of like voyages together and yeah. set up shop in town and hang out and do our stuff. And that, that tour was a whole lot of fun. That was like kind of, I think we toured with you guys twice in my, in my well, we, we did. I mean, if my memory serves correctly, we did like two or three weeks and then, then you went to South Africa. We went to right. South Africa and Europe and whatever. And then when we came back, we met back up, we met back up in Jersey and then yeah. we, we finished out like another two or three weeks. So, I mean, total, it was almost like a two-month tour, I think. Yeah, we just had a nice little break in the middle. A little break <laughs> in the middle, yeah. So then, yeah, yeah. So from from there, but that's how I kind of got more acquainted with everything. And, and that's how I'd end up really being uh, eventually playing in the Ataris. Yeah. Uh, three different times. But <laughs> <laughs> so like. So how, yeah, did, like, how did you go, like, pull the pin? You guys had some success. Like, how did you go from that to patent pending? Because when uh, when, yeah, I, we were, when I saw you, I think, last, and we actually hung out, was when you were with Pull the Pin, touring with patent pending, and you guys came right. to my town, and I actually yep. got to see we you. We were at, at Muncie, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, so we were uh, Pull the Pin, and, and patent pending were really close buddies. We would, like, not only did we tour together, sometimes we'd, like, all pile in a van together. Like, we were that yeah. close, you know? Uh, physically and just as friends and we, and we all between all of the members of of pull the pin we just collectively known patent pending for like ever like when they their first out of state show ever back in like a billion years ago was in pennsylvania five minutes from where i live right now at someone's garage yeah so it's like you know that's how we kind of got to know those guys stayed in touch did it did the touring together and pull the pin just kind of dissolved like for for a band that was like doing the whole DIY thing and going out there and trying to do it and stuff, it's you know what it's like. It's tough to stick to that and commit and make it work. And it's like it's got to be a perfect storm. And it just wasn't it wasn't hitting. Not that we expect to be some major monster hit band. It's just it's tough. It gets very rough out there doing that. So we kind of just dissolved. You know, kind of went our separate ways for a little bit. And in that, like right then, is when Patton Penning's um, singer left he was like he just wasn't really into that band i mean they were like literally his family because his brother is the guitar player who's now the singer um and he just writes all the songs and all that so while that was happening he's like rob just come play guitar with us like he kind of was just like i want to keep you busy whether you stay in this or not he's, he was like just looking after me he knew that i was like kind of bummed out from not doing the band thing anymore because it's just tough and he's like yeah come out with us and they were doing all right you know for a smaller band and uh First thing is I went out with them to record this EP in Minneapolis with this dude, with this kid. He's younger than me at the time. You know, he's this, like, young guy who's, like, working with bands. And I was so impressed that he did uh, a Motion City soundtrack record with, with Mark Hoppus. I was like, oh, you know Mark Hoppus from Blink. You know, I, think, I thought that was so cool. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's cool, man, whatever. And then, like, within a day, we all kind of, like, got that we have the same. Because, you know, when you first meet somebody, you don't want to be too much of you. Yeah, yeah. By the end of the first day, we we realized we're like the exact same person. His, his name's Jordan Schmidt. He's an incredibly wildly su- successful songwriter now. He's a uh, he's writing like Jason Aldean hits, and he's like wow. part of the song team with Florida Georgia Line and stuff. So he's went on to do that. But he was a he was like the, a long time like pretty much sixth member of Patent Pending, like producing our records, helping write songs, like 
being like a real big part of that. And uh, yeah, we did just did a bunch of records with him, and I kind of stuck with with patent pending. And while I was doing that, I was like having some fun here and there. I was playing in this band of my buddies down in Georgia. They're called Freshman Fifteen. They're just this fun sort of like. It's like if all time low, it, it, like wanted to sound like strung out, <laughs> but like real technical and stuff, but yeah. like that real poppy polished sound. Um, both incredible bands, uh, and they're really good. And the dude Davey's a really great voice, and and um, he had this really cool band going. I thought it was really neat. So I did some touring with them, and um, yeah, then I was just with Pat and Penning, and then I kind of just stayed with Pat and Penning all along. My brother had a band going that kind of was very. Very rock, like Foo Fighters ish kind of thing. Don't panic. Was that the name? Don't of the panic. Yeah. yeah. So he asked me that he liked the idea of how like Tom Petty ran his band, and this will make sense in a second because he's like, there's, he's like, I don't want to do that whole like, this is the official roster, this is the band lineup. He's like, hey, I'm gonna be writing songs and playing them and and doing whatever. Sometimes if you want to be a part of it, come do it. And if you don't have time for it, come some other time. He's wanted it to kind of be like musicians playing, which I thought was really neat. So it was, it was cool for me to play, like, some different stuff with him. So I did a couple tours with him with the Ataris. Uh, we were touring together because Chris really liked Don't Panic and really liked my brother. And he's like, yeah, let's take your band out. So we did some touring. And then during that is when um, Aaron was the guitar player in the Ataris. Aaron's my stepbrother, yeah. Sure is. <laughs> I didn't know if you knew that or not. No, I know. Yeah, of course. That guy is fantastic. Um, <laughs> and I love his paintings, by the way. They're awesome. Oh, they're great, man, yeah. Yeah, I want to. I want to buy one. He's like wall paintings that he makes. It's unbelievable. I just seeing like on for this is for the listeners. I know you know this. Yeah. <laughs> so um, his dad was yeah. just here yesterday having pizza at my house. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. So yeah, he had just left the Ataris during that tour. There was like a split where they went to like Hawaii or something for yeah, a couple of days. He, he left in Hawaii. There was some some discrepancies that. Happened, yeah. So, so so Chris calls me from Hawaii. He's like Rob. He's like, can you learn? all of our songs on guitar. He's like, right. he's like, you fellow cities, you're crazy. You, you'll figure this out. I was like, all right. I was like, when, when do we start back up again? He's like, it's in four days. And I was like, oh my God. All right. So I learned like all 6,000 songs that he has in his set list. <laughs> yep. And it's like, you know, and that's the thing. I didn't want to like half-ass him. I wanted to do it right. I wanted, I didn't want to just play, oh, this is the chord structure. You know, I wanted to do it. And having toured with them a bunch at that point, I was kind of like, yeah, I know they changed it up live and this, this and that. And uh, the first show we did with no practice, it was at uh, Diesel in Pittsburgh. Um, and we met up there and we, we did like this dry run, me and him with his two unplugged guitars and like the dressing room downstairs ran through it. And he was like, he's like, all right, man. He's like, I, I feel confident. You got this. And you know how particular he is. Yeah, definitely. Every nuance, which is like, that's admirable. Cause he's a great musician, you know, great songwriter. So we played the show. I was like, all right, like I felt comfortable enough. And we did this tour. I was pulling double duty on this tour. For like two months or whatever it was. So you were playing in Don't Panic, and then you were also playing in the Ataris. Ataris. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so doing both bands, and then for, during that tour, Chris was like, "Do you want to just do this like full time with us? Do you want to just be the guitar player?" I was like, "Yeah, it sounds great. Like count me in." So I did that, and I was I thought, for me, I was like, "That's that's really cool." Like you know, I'm playing in a band that I listened to when I was younger. You know, not I minute, mean, not everyone does that. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you were in the. Band. <laughs> I I know too. I was there too, man. <laughs> So, no, yeah, I, I, was, I was talking to Marco from Sugar Cult because he was the guitarist, or he played, I think he played bass back in the day. But I always had that idea, you know, all the ex-members of the Ataris, we should, like, if we made t-shirts that said I used to be in the Ataris, we could make a killing. Well, we'd also have to, we just, just for each person that owned one, we'd have to print, like, 15,000 of them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you'd got to, like, if you want to see, like, past members of the Ataris, you'd have to, like, open it up on an external drive. <laughs> open up a spreadsheet. That's what we got to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, but uh, I, I stuck with that on guitar for a little bit. Then they relocated to uh, Arizona. I yeah. was doing Pat 
everything all along, but I was missing some tours because, to be honest, like, I know it sounds crappy. It's, just sound, it's a shitty thing to say, but it's true. And the, the patent pending guys were supportive of this. But I was getting, like, you know, money to do the Atari stuff. You know what I mean? And it was, yeah. like, kind of splitting me. It was keeping me going. And, and uh, patent pending was doing here and there. Like, we were doing, you know, well. But it was, like, if there was a – if it was almost like, hey, guys, I can't make this tour. I got to go to work. <laughs> oh, I got you. Know you. I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's what I was doing the Atari. Not that it was only work. I had a lot of fun. But that's how that worked. But then Chris was like, we're moving to Arizona. Uh, you could either come with us or I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I was like, I'm going to stay here. But thanks. You know, it's been, been fun. Like, if you ever need someone to fill in, hit me up. He's like, yeah, it was just fine. You know, that's how it went. Stuck with patent pending. Then we did um, we did some really crazy things. And we we, we, we did that. Uh, we won, like, that Billboard Music Award, which was bizarre, and played that award show and stuff. Tell me, yeah, was, tell me a little bit about that. That so, sounds I mean, really cool. Yeah, like the real, like the way it, it's kind of like a fluke, but it's not. It was, I, I guess, like the way I understand it, and this could be completely wrong, but like Chevrolet was the sponsor for the Billboard Music Awards that year. Okay. And they wanted to do some, like, they had a fun marketing idea. They're like, let's get a couple of bands from around the country. Like, this is what it looks like to commercial watchers and people that just hear about this. Like, Chevy is pairing up with Billboard to, like, find. Like, the, that unsigned band out there, like, give them a shot to play, you know, to, like, play in front of a big audience kind of thing. What it really was is they wanted to find a band that actually had their own following already. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> they put it out to, like, a bunch of bands, and, like, Pat and Penning was just, is was is still, and was at the time, just a band that just, like, especially then, really, would just go, like, hit the road, do it, just get out there, and, like, just try everything we can to just get people to, like, pay attention and have fun doing it, you know? And, um... We got, like, selected from this thing. I think my brother actually helped us out with it because someone we went to high school with was, like, working with Billboard or something. It's really bizarre. But it was, like, Chevy Cruz, like, battle of the bands, like, to, to Vegas kind of thing. And they send you, they put us, like, in this, this car with, like, a camera crew and, like, to drive out to Vegas and, like, film stuff along the way. It was really neat. And then we get there and play the show at, like, the, was it, like, the Hard Rock and... It was like they, the judges like selected a winner to play on the, the Billboard Music Awards, but it was like you're winning an award. It's an actual Billboard award that was like, it was uh, what's it called, like the Dream Seeker Artist of the Year or something like that. And they're like, you'll be mentored by Tayo Cruz, you know the, uh, <laughs> the Dynamite guy. Yeah. You want to know how much mentoring he did? Is I met him by accident in an elevator, and he said one word to me. <laughs> what was the word? Hi. <laughs> so awesome. nice, nice enough fella. He was smiling at least. Um, so like yeah but anyway we did that it was just bizarre because that was a crazy day i mean we're in vegas playing in the mgm grand arena televised in front of eight million viewers or whatever i met stevie wonder i met you know like justin bieber and katie perry and all these like freaking top a-list celebrities i met taylor swift we were sitting next to lincoln park that's where they had us seated wow so really nice yeah they're really really friendly guys they were kind of like they were like making they knew that we were like the band that just like got there by accident <laughs> so they were trying to make us feel like comfortable from what i remember they're just like palling around and you know being nice it was funny actually we saw someone we knew that we had like an anchor um do you know tucker he used to play drums on thursday oh yeah tucker's been on the show already yeah tucker's a buddy oh okay yeah. great so joe's cousin is in thursday it's steven padula i don't know if yeah, you know I him know steven too yeah yeah that's joe's cousin so they were obviously close with thursday all along and tucker there was like tucker what the hell are you doing here and he was playing drums for that uh, the with wanted. The wanted, yeah. We talk yep. about that on the podcast. If, after we get done, you should go listen to his episode. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was just cool, like kind of seeing people we knew, and then all these like like insane A list celebrities. Like we met Whoopi Goldberg and like all that stuff. It was a bizarre thing. And then around that time is when, I think 
now we already we've been touring with Bowling for Soup already at that time. We kind of became really close friends with them, and uh, yeah, because that was like right from one thing to the other. Oh yeah, that's when I was like really stupid with the amount of touring I was doing because I did like uh, we did a tour with the Ataris. I was and this is when I was asked to play drums for the Ataris because Jake had left during a tour after I wasn't the guitar player anymore. This is insane how like involved all this gets. And um, it's a great story yeah, for the but, podcast. People want to know this stuff, man. All right, here we go. So, yeah, Jake, who's the drummer from the Ataris, when I was a guitar player, then they moved to Arizona. He didn't like it, I guess, or whatever it was. He ended up leaving. Um, and then while they were in the middle of a tour or something or starting it, Brian calls me at, like, 8 in the morning one day. He's like, hey, can you fly out to Philly in, like, two days to play drums for us? What are you doing? I was like, we go on tour in two months with Bowling for Soup. He's like, what day? And at the end of the Ataris tour is the first day of the Bowling for Soup tour. I'm like, I'll make it work. Bring me out. So... I had to learn all the songs. Like I was tapping on like a tray table in a plane, like to drumming out the songs. You know what I mean? Like that's, I did it down to Asheville, North Carolina. That's where the first show was. And, um, that was fun. Like just jumping behind and playing drums again. Cause that's how I started. So it was really fun to get back into that. And, um, and I knew the songs from playing guitar, which is neat. So kind of did that drum through it, did a two month tour with the queers. So it was the Atari's and the queers right into literally, like I flew back into New York to start a tour with Bowling for Soup with patent pending, um, playing guitar. <laughs> and then we went straight from that to this Vegas trip. So that was like a bizarre, like three, four months or whatever it was ending with ending that trip with playing the billboard music awards. Then I kind of got home. I was like, wow, I gotta, I have to unwind from this. That was like a big thing. Like starting from playing a tiny little club in Asheville, North Carolina to playing MGM grand arena while like Stevie wonder is watching you. It's like, Quite a turnaround in like three and a half months. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. And we just kind of kept going that year, that same year is when we started. Oh, right. So that's the year that I left the Ataris. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about that. Um, I, uh, it's kind of infamous, you know, uh, you were playing <laughs> drums with the Ataris. Um, I have a little bit of a story. I, I want to hear it in your words. Then I'll tell you a little bit of what happened to me. We get into, we got onto it. We got into it on Gavin's episode, but it's pretty funny. So I want to give me right. your, give me your side of it. And I know you and Chris are cool now and you know, like yeah, we're yeah. all friends. There's no shit talking. So just give me your Whatever. side of the events that took place. I mean, Everybody yeah. out there knows when you're on tour for a long period of time, you're living in a van together or a bus together or whatever. Things can get kind of, kind of sketchy. Yeah. And it, honest, to be completely honest, it, it wasn't like, it's not like there was some huge, like pent up contention. I, I really think what it, a bit uh, there's, it's probably one of those things where there's like a hundred little factors. Um, yeah. Uh, while doing this, this tour at the Ataris, I like couldn't commit to the last show because it was the day we were supposed to practice before flying out for, uh, with patent pending at, at the end of this, we were going over to the United Kingdom with Bowling for Soup. This was going to be our first overseas tour ever with a band that is like, they do really well over there. They do great over here, but over there, they're like, they're huge. So, um, that was a big deal for us. I was like, we gotta, you know, we're gonna, we don't want to mess this up. So we're going to practice before this tour, which we usually don't. So, and I was like, Chris is like, not, not giving me a hard time about that being missing this last show, but I committed to do the Atari tour and told him right away that I can't do this like Rhode Island show or something, but she was like, yeah, maybe I'll do it acoustic, whatever. We're getting closer to that. And I remember we had like, it wasn't a fight. We him, me and him never argued. And it was just kind of this like more aggressive for lack of a better term d- discussion between the two of us that lasted three minutes outside of some venue in Ohio or something. And he was just like, man, he's like, come on. He's like, I need you for this. And I was like, I, I don't think I can do it. And he's like kind of irritable, but he was fine. And then we get to the show in Jersey. This is, this is why I'm saying there's a lot of factors. I don't think it was just one thing. 
regardless of what TMZ says or anything says or even what he's <laughs> so um yeah we did this thing we play, uh, we're doing these we're at this last show it was in Asbury Park at the Lanes which I think is closed and reopened or something which that place is great awesome staff I really really like those people and um my buddy my buddy Josh came out and uh Corey came out you know Corey and yeah. Gavin came out and and it was just I had a bunch of friends coming to the show and I think whether we were acting contentious with each other or not, like it was towards the end of a tour. And that's when you're kind of just like, all right, like, let's get this. Let's just ready to get done and get out. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, you know, grinding out a little bit. So, um, we were playing the show, my buddy, Josh, and I'm not going to, I'm not blaming this on him. I'm the one that was doing this, but he's like, come on, Robin, hang on anywhere. Drink this with me. I was like, all right, we're going to sit at this bar. I'm just drinking all these. I don't, I don't drink vodka. You know what I mean? I, if I'm ever drinking, it's, I'm like a beer drinker, you know, like hanging out, drink beer kind of guy thing. If I'm doing that, so I'm just like having fun with my friend that I hadn't seen in a couple of years. And he's like, fuck you this, fuck you that. And I was like, all right. Before I knew it, I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm a little drunk. I was like, all right, time to play the show. So I get up there and I was like, I remember in my head, I'm like, all right, like I'm kind of, I'm making this work. I'm playing it. I'm like cutting a fill here or there, but like I'm keeping on time for the most part. I'm sure it wasn't the greatest performance. I'm not here to lie and make myself sound better, but this is how it played out for me. And this is also six years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I just remember, during uh, one of the songs, Chris turns around and he like takes his guitar and like kind of sh- like jams it into the drum set. And I thought, because you know during sets sometimes he gets a little rowdy. Yeah. What he's like, yeah. like he gets like real into it. And, and I was like, oh cool, like he's getting down. I was like, let's fucking do this. Like it'll be fun. And then he like was like yelling while he's doing it, and I was like, oh man. Then like then he like kind of like knocked over something. I was like, all right, I'm getting up. And I just stood up and walked away. And they had a little temper tantrum and threw stuff around. And I, I guess he was just like irritated just in general i guess I, he's like i said before he's very particular about stuff and you can't blame him for that it's his band you know he wants it to sound a certain way yeah and i was given the best performance i could have um and i'll give him i'll even give him some credit before we went up he was like hey rob he's like um i you know i, I saw that your buddy was like getting you all sorts of and he my buddy josh had to apologizing for this i'm like no it's not your fault <laughs> shut up <laughs> But Chris was like, I saw your buddy looking all trash. He's like, are you sure you can do this? Like, he was trying to give me an out. He was like, I'll play acoustic if I have to. He wasn't even being a dick. <laughs> and I was like, no. I was like, she'll be fine. I was like, I got this. And I guess it's just like whatever it was, like he did. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't inside of his head. I have no idea. Yeah. It could To him, it could have sounded like the worst show ever. To people in the audience, it could have sounded like the worst show ever. But I remember Gavin saying like, hey, that's pretty good. Like, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then I left. I go to, I go uh, to, uh, I didn't drive. Of course not. Uh, but Corey was there because he was bringing me to Long Island so Pat and Pending could rehearse to fly out to England. So we get to Long Island. I go to sleep at my buddy Anthony's house, our drummer, and I wake up the next morning, and Anthony's uh, brother-in-law and sister were visiting. So they were in the kitchen eating breakfast, and uh, I wake up and go in there, and um, Anthony's there. He's like, yeah, he's like, all right, let's make You made breakfast, and we're just hanging out. And Anthony's brother-in-law, he goes, Hey, did you guys see this thing that happened with the drummer and the Ataris? And I started laughing. So I thought he was just messing with me. And he goes, "No." He's like, "Did you see this?" And he like shows like a, uh, like I heard you heard about this guy. I was like, "Are you kidding me right now?" He's like, "What?" I was like, "That's me." He's like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "That's that's me." That what you, this is on the news. He's like, "That was you? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and shows me like this TMZ article. I was like, "This is on TMZ. Like this is not a big thing. This is like this is this is me and Chris just like whatever." I thought it was gonna be the end of it that night. I, I didn't know that was going to be a whole thing, <laughs> like the way it was. Then my phone's blowing up. All these people are texting me like, 
it was, it was like most of it was like fuck that guy, that piece of shit. I, I was having, I was having uh, like um, the uh, the older lineup of the Ataris was messaging me on Facebook. So Chris Knapp, Mike Davenport, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, John Collera, who was like he was like the most involved in like talking to me. He's like, oh my god, he's like this is crazy. He's like. It, this is he's and he was like we got your back we know we know chris is like you know there again like oh, yeah, yeah. but they, they were kind of being like a little funny about it because because uh i guess all those dudes have patched up any differences they've had because they did a tour since then yeah, they did like the, the, the anniversary tour or whatever with the original lineup yeah well i just had like a bunch of people reach out that i wouldn't have thought would reach out to me to be like man like don't take that shit you know fuck that kind of thing like from people that i look up to musicians yeah. i was like that makes you feel all right and it made me feel like it's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to fuck up, and it's like, I shouldn't have, but I did, and whatever it was. I didn't realize it would be as big of a deal as it was, and then a week later, we're in England playing this really great tour, and I kind of forgot about it, you know what I mean? And then yeah. coming up here and there, and I'm, I, I sort of take it in stride now, but we've since made up, me and Chris, we hugged, and, I, you know, it's it, I forgave him, he forgave me, you know, that's it. Well, and that that's a good way to be, and that's the only reason I wanted to bring it up. I'm not trying to get a scoop or anything, you know. I just I don't care. I, I tell people I ask me about it. Well, I know, but like we're, we've all toured together, we're all buddies, and and like I know that you know there were some times back in the day where Chris and I didn't get along that well. Yeah, and I mean, it's just people. It's just humans. Like you're not programmed to just always get along nonstop. All people don't understand too that when you're in a band, it's like you're married to three or four other guys. <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's hard yeah. work to make it happen and people get in fights and people get pissed off and they do things that are maybe not in the best interest of the band. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. So but, no, uh, indirectly, uh, when all that happened, the next day my phone blew up <laughs> because people are stupid and didn't realize that I spell my name with a CH and not a oh, K. Oh, because you're Chris. Yeah. <laughs> So I have people texting me and emailing me and calling me, telling me how much of a prick I am. Oh, man. And I'm Sorry. like, I have not been in the band for three, four years. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I'm just glad that everybody's cool again and we're all friends. And, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those things where actually we, he, um, it was, I actually could tell you how we, how we patched it up. It's because Brian uh, texted me after all this because like I, Bias. It's not like I was like, "Oh, hey, Brian." Now we just didn't talk anymore after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like it, it's just because I'm sure both of us just felt a little awkward. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's the first thing. So it must have been, I think maybe like two years later or something. And uh, Brian texts me. He goes, "Hey, he's like, I don't know if you care or not." Because you know, Brian is a good dude. Yeah, he's I mean, like, I don't know I'm, you... we we played little league together. I've known Brian my entire Yeah, that's lot. what I mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, see, so he's just you know what he's like. He's just he's polite. He's great. He's best nice. guy in the world, man. Yeah, so he texts me. He goes, "Hey, I don't know if you care or if you, if you wanted to know or not." He's like, "But uh, Chris's dad just passed away," and I met him like once or twice. And I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "That that sucks." And I was like, That's "His dad was a really really great guy, man." Yeah, and he's a huge supporter of Chris doing huge. the Atari. I don't think stuff. I ever saw him without an Atari's hat or shirt on the whole time. Yeah, from, and from what I know from Chris, like that's the reason he he, he was because he had like you know such like good support. It's like the reason he was able yeah. to like really do it, you know. Um, so he um. Yeah, I was like, ah, shit. You know, I thought about it for a second, and I was like, I'm going to text him. I texted Chris, and I was like, this isn't about anything that happened in Jersey. I was like, I don't care about that right now. I was like, uh, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to send condolences. That really sucks, because uh, I had just lost someone in my family, like, not that long before that. So it was like, I was sort of uh, very sympathetic, yeah. you know? So it was like, I just know how it sucks. And he just he got right back to me. He goes, and he started to go into this apology about the whole drum thing. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, that's not what we're talking about right now. I was like. 
go with your family, do your thing, worry about that right now. I was like, if you ever want to talk about that some other time, let me know. And he was like, all right. He's like, you know, I really appreciate you reaching out. I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm not doing this for, uh, uh, I'm not trying to do just to be the better man. I was like, I'm doing this because I think this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just what I felt. I'm not perfect. I've done plenty of stupid things, but I try the best I can to be the best I can. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I just thought that was like proper form to do. And then uh, we played a, a, a festival together in England. And was it the so slam, slam like, dunk? Is that what that was? Uh, was it? No, it was actually a different one. We did Slam Dunk, but it was a different time. This one was called uh, Hit the Deck. Oh, okay. I remember but, seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. I think that one, Hit the Deck, Hit the Deck is two days and Slam Dunk's three days. At least it was then. And um, yeah, we're there, and, and like we kind of just see each other from a distance and like start walking towards each other, and it was a hug, and then we got like food together and just kind of like bullshitted, and he was like, ah, I'm sorry about all that, you know. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, sorry, I fuck, fucked up the show. He's like, oh, stop. That was it. You know, and that was, that was the end of that. And just from there on out, because I even, um, probably another year or two after that, um, they were doing, uh, my brother was booking for Screeching Weasel. And uh, he was also booking for the Ataris. And um, so he put them together. And the Ataris didn't have a bass player. And Chris was like, hey, would you want to do these? It was like four shows. You want to do these like four weasel shows with us? Yeah. All right. Why not? He's like, yeah, we'll fly you out to Chicago. I was like, I love Screeching Weasel. Like, so we'll you've been everything in that band except him. Except Chris. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, yeah. He's like, I was like, I got a bass. Yeah, great. It sounds great. I'll learn the songs. I went out. We did like this dry run in like a hotel room, you know, went and played the shows. And it was great. And actually Bowling for Soup was, was the direct support on those shows. Uh, because my brother was asking me, he's like, hey, do we know? He's like, do you know anyone in this range that that like would do these shows? They're looking for like a strong support, and I was like, I don't know if it would make sense, like, but it might because they're both they're both kind of like the, you know, like gimmicky, like tongue in cheek, but great songs, you know, kind of like band, you know, like Bowling for Soup and Screeching Weasel are different but very similar. Yeah, you know, three chord punk rock songs. One's just a little bit faster than the other. <laughs> yeah, it's really all it is. Um, so yeah, Jared and Jared's like a huge, huge Screeching Weasel fan. Like he's got a tattoo, at, you know. Like, um, so they were like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it!" And they were on it. So I was like, "All right, even better now because I've got some other really close friends that I won't feel." Not that we and Chris weren't fine, but it's like you know, traveling with him is it's just a little different than traveling with other people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just because you know he's quirky. I, I'm, I'm not afraid. He, he, to never, say he that. never. He let, never. He never let any of us drive. Yeah, oh god, and he's not the best driver in the world. <laughs> no, not, not when he's making an iTunes playlist on his MacBook while he's driving through yeah, Arizona. Yeah, like writing code. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah. So Bowling, we were doing that, and I was like, Jared, I was like, I'll be at those shows. He's like, That's it, we're stealing you. They like took me on their bus for those for those shows because he's like, We want we want Rob time. I was like, All right, great. So that was a lot of fun, and that was like cool. It was like I felt diversified. I'm like now I've played bass, you know, for some real shows, and that was a lot of fun. And then um. Actually, uh, last summer on the Warp Tour, Bowling for Soup was on it, and they were booked to do this whole thing. And Gary, the drummer, um, had a baby on the way, and um, I guess she was coming a little earlier than expected. They had like a break. They did a week, then a couple days off, then a, then a week. And during those few days off, or whatever it was, him and his wife had to check with the doctor, and the doctor's like, "Hey, Gary, I wouldn't go anywhere if I were you. <laughs> like this baby is like is on the way, like any day now." And the shows were pretty close. The shows were, for them anyway, there were like three Texas shows and one like Kansas City show or something. It was, or, and one other thing, I don't know, it was like five, four or five shows. 
So Jared's like, I used to do this thing with Bowling for Soup where I'd like sit in for like the second half of a song. Like we'd switch yeah. and I'd jump in and like play the drums on it because it was fun. And like Gary thought it was silly the one day. So Jared's like, yeah, you kind of, you toured, we toured like a hundred times. So he's like, you toured us enough. You know, we do it live. Do you want to, do you want to just do this? It'd be fun to have you. I was like, all right, like I can do those shows. Why not? So I, they, they brought me out to Texas. I jumped on, I got to do the Warp Tour. Uh, which I'd done a million times before, but this was the first time I did the Warp Tour, uh, like on the main stage with like. It's way different. Know. It's way, I've played every stage on that tour, and when we finally yeah. on the main stage, like it's night and day next to the other stages, man. Yeah, I mean, I've done I've done that tour every single way you could do it for the smallest like peon, and I mean the Warp Tour treats everybody equal, but you know what yeah. I mean, like the smallest like you feel in the way tiny little band to uh, playing on a on a main stage band, like only like. The only obligation was to just walk to the stage, play drums, and walk away. Like it was great. You know, yeah, it was fantastic. I got to shower, I got to eat, I got a bed to sleep in. It was awesome. Yep. Um, you know, so that was a lot of fun doing that. And I just, I just love those guys. Like they're, they've just been, they've been great to our band, to Pat and Penning, for so many years. And they just, they're just fun dudes. And it's really that. <laughs> so that was really that's kind of a, a compre long winded comprehensive like story of how I started playing music and where. <laughs> We just, yeah, we just kept going. It's great, man. Uh, so, oh, yeah. so what have you got like coming up next? I mean, is Pat and Penning have a new record coming out? Are you guys touring? What are your plans for this summer? Like we're getting pretty close to an hour. So, I mean, we can start just kind of talking about like the present. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Pat and Penning's doing like, uh, working on a new record and, and, um, I mean, it's it, the way that usually starts. It, it, I mean, Joe is the primary songwriter. He, I mean, he's like the it's not like he's the heart and soul of the band or anything. Everyone, everyone's a, a, a piece of it, you know, but um, he kind of like starts that process songwriting and, and getting it going and stuff. So he's, he's kind of working in a studio right now to get a record going. I know he wants to put one out. I, I don't know when he wouldn't really I know if we discussed the timeline or anything like that. Are you that. guys going to self-release or are you talking to any labels or I don't know, actually he, I mean, I know that we, we prefer doing it with a, a with a label just because it takes less pressure off and you know, less, less you have to worry about it right away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it'd be nice that you just get you more distribution and the whole thing. So I don't really know what the plan is. I think he, I think he, we want to finish products to like bring to someone to distribute, you know, like we don't want to just be like, Hey, fund this and whatever. We'd rather just like, we're going to get this done and, and, and shop a finished product. Yeah. And see what someone likes it. I mean, we've been on, we've been on and off of, Numerous labels. That's just how it works now. It's not the old, you know, 80s and 90s model of you sign to RCA Records and then like you put out 19 albums and then you're done with your band. You know, now it's like there's a lot more freedom. It's like you can record an album in your in your garage and it'll sound incredible, and you find someone to put it out. You know yeah. what I mean? It's you do singles, you do this, you do that. It's it's neat. It's it's fun how versatile it's become because it gives a lot of more people are listening now because more people can. I'm not saying yeah. to us, I'm saying in general. Um, you don't need a you don't need a CD player and you don't need a way to get to the the record store anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's everywhere. It's it's on the same thing that you you call your parents on. That's where you buy your music. So it's uh. When I was kind of I'm kind of bummed. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they're saying that uh, well at least this guy this was his his idea. He said that you know the way things are going within the next five to ten years or even less than that everything is just going to be streaming format. You you won't yeah. you won't have like I mean I know MP3s aren't physical but I mean when you buy an MP3 or when you download an MP3 it's on your phone it's on your computer now and it's all cloud storage and, and it's yeah. all going to be cloud and you're just going to basically do these like streaming services which I like I as an audio guy though like 
I do feel like there's a lot. I mean, you lose audio quality in compressing it to an MP3. So I, yeah. I imagine when you stream it, you lose a lot more. So yeah, and that's the thing. Like most people, that's the thing. Most people don't know why what they're hearing sounds any different. Yeah, people that are audio engineers. I'm not an audio engineer. I don't know what it is. I just know it's the most I know. It's like your ears can hear between some hertz and some megahertz, and digital <laughs> format only only really captures yeah. like a whole middle section of it or something. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if what I said's right. I have no idea. I, just, I mean, it's it's you're 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 on the right track. Good enough. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> So, uh, what have you got going on this summer? I mean, any tour plans? I mean, I mean, I mean, are you doing well, anything with Patent Pending? Uh, Pending's not really doing any touring. We're doing a festival. Uh, it's like a one-off festival. It's actually in Pittsburgh. It's run by this really awesome dude named Rishi. Um, you might have even met him before because he's just the, he's this gigantic tall dude from Pittsburgh. Plays in a band called Eternal Boy, um, and he's very much um, like he's. He's one of the last people. He's like he's like the fucking scene, you know. Like he does like the pop punk thing. Like from he's really like he loves the. Uh, it's not really what I'm completely into, but he loves like the drive through records phase, like okay. that you know the early two thousands like pop punk stuff. And he, he's very very passionate about it. Like it really is. It's, it's impressive how much this dude loves. So he he uh, and he's just one of the most genuinely nice people in the world. We actually brought them over. They he did, their band Eternal Boy does really well in like Asia or something. And uh, we brought them to England once because we were like, man, like this stuff hits over there like pretty good. And like we really think a lot of people are going to like it. And we, we do, you know, for us, we do great over there. <laughs> so we brought them over and people loved them and stuff. But I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. He runs a festival called the Four Chord Music Festival. Um, and I think this year it's like Less Than Jake and Anti-Flag and Bayside and a bunch of other really great bands. And their band's playing it, and, and we have us on that too. So we're doing that. It's in, uh, I think it's August or something. I don't remember the date, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, we're doing that. Uh, that's really all we have scheduled right now because I think the focus is that is that album. Okay. Um, and then I imagine we'll probably, when that comes out, we'll, we'll want to tour on that, you know? Great. Uh, so, yeah, and, for, and, and what I do at home is um, I, uh, I, I run, I do a concert marketing for a promoter around here. And I mean, we do everything from like, I think we have like you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Sticks, and like. But then we get like bands that I like. We've had like Rise Against and Social Distortion and stuff. And then we do. It's it's great. It's this. It's a venue down in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. It's called the Sherman Theater, and um, it's a really neat place. Great people. I like doing it. Um, it keeps me busy. It keeps me like sharp. You know what I mean? Because if I just just somehow just did played music, I feel like I'd uh, I wouldn't be like staying focused on, on like what I got an education for, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you just want to stay sharp, I think. Uh, and also you got to make money too. So it's, just, <laughs> you know, that's part of how it is. So, um, I've had some offers to do some tours this summer, not whether I take them or not, you know, I'd like to, we'll see if it works out or something, but I might be doing some touring this summer. I might not either way. I'm going to be staying pretty busy and then kind of just take it from there. I like, I like playing music. Uh, and I like, hanging out with my friends so <laughs> when i get to do two of those together it's great well i tell you man it, it's been wonderful kind of reconnecting with you and just kind of hearing your story because i mean we toured together we've known each other for a while but i mean it was kind of yeah. condensed into those like two months where we actually got to hang out <laughs> and do things every so, day together <laughs> yeah it's it's been great and uh i i would love to have you back on in the future maybe if you're going to do some stuff like when the new record comes out come back on and talk about the new record yeah um and uh i always play a song so okay. 
Um, I think I want to play a patent pending song because that's your current kind of your thing you're doing, right? Yeah. Now, why don't you let me know the song you think I should play? Like, what's the song that's going to let everybody know what you guys are all about? I, I think that the for a couple reasons, I'd select this song. It's called Hey Mario, and it's um, it's I think like the content says a lot about like what our band's like. We don't take things too seriously. Um, because most of the time, and we do touch on like serious sub- subjects sometimes because mostly, I mean, our, our general message a lot of the times is like, just be yourself. Don't let people shit on you. Uh, love life and, and kind of like, you know, don't, don't let, don't let shit get you down. Even when it seems like it's going to, it's a tough message to speak because I mean, we all struggle with that too. So it's like to be able to put that message out and get people involved in it just kind of helps you out a little bit. But either way, the song is, is a sillier song, but I think shows our, our, our don't take life too seriously kind of thing. And it's about the Mario brothers. It's it's, a, it's like a joke that Joe told on stage in like Scotland where he's like, I need to make this song because not enough people laughed at my joke about how like the princess always ignores him and stuff. And he's always risking his life and everything. So, and, and it's actually a song that like strayed us a little bit from like a sound that the band was doing forever. We kind of experimented with stuff we never did. It's nothing crazy. It's not like we're the Beatles like doing, <laughs> making Sergeant Pepper or something. But it was like, for us, it was like, hey, cool. Like, production in a different way uh and the song's really neat and and it's it's, it actually stemmed from like this like chord structure i was putting together so i was more involved in that process with that song than than most others and um i just like the song i think it's neat i think you like it cool well hey i just i want to thank you again this has been great i'm gonna you know when we get off the phone here i'll play hey mario on the podcast everybody can check it out but all um, right I just, I really appreciate it, man. And I can't wait to have you back on. We'll talk about the new record and everything else. So uh, tell your brother I said what's up. Tell Corey and everybody I said hello. You got it. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you very much. It was nice, nice chatting with you. We'll talk soon. (laughs) Talk to you later, man. Thank you. Later, buddy. And there it was, my conversation with my good friend, Rob Felicetti from Patent Pending. I uh, had a really good time speaking with Rob. Um, you know, we we got pretty deep on some things. You know, I hope nobody's feelings were hurt. You know, I was talking about some of the crazy stuff that's happened when he was playing in the Ataris and whatnot. Everything is water under the bridge. We're all cool now. Chris Rowe, I love you. Rob, I love you. Everybody, I love you guys. Um, we also, you know, we talked about Pat and Penning and how great they've done in the past. And I, I cannot wait for this new record to come out. I think it's going to be really, really good. So when that comes out, we're going to have Rob back on the show so we can talk about that new record. And uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So next week, we do have a new episode coming out. Uh, I've got a couple people lined up right now. We'll see how the schedules come out, but it's going to be a good episode because all the guests I have lined up are really, really good. So uh, keep checking out Instagram and Facebook and everything to make sure that you're up to date on what's going on with the podcast. Uh, It's TOTOT Podcast on all the social medias. Make sure you leave us a review and subscribe on iTunes. And uh, I just want to say thank you guys very much for checking this out because the the podcast has been growing exponentially. We've now been listened to in over 50 countries and in all 50 states. The only continent that we have not been listened to on is Antarctica. So if you know a scientist in Antarctica, hit him up and tell him to check it out because then I'll have all seven continents and I'm kind of a geography geek. So I want to get Antarctica. So if you know somebody that's stationed there, uh, you know, doing science experiments, Tell them to at least play the episode and then just not even listen. I just want to get that last continent. So I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Thank you so much for letting me into your life. 
you know, things have been going well on, on my side. I'm in the new house with, uh, my wife and my two kids and, uh, things are going great. I've been working a lot and, uh, you know, just doing the podcast, trying to set things up for you. So I'm going to play the song that Rob suggested that we play. It's a song called Hey Mario. It's by Pat and Pending. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. I think you guys are really going to like it. If you played a lot of Nintendo back in the day, I think it's going to be right up your alley. So uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, go back and check out a past episode. We've got some great guests like Franz Stahl. He played in the Foo Fighters and in, in the band Scream. Kira Rossler, she was in Black Flag. Um, Tucker from the band Thursday. Eddie from Taking Back Sunday. We've got so many cool guests in the back catalog. So go back and check out one of the old episodes. Tell a friend. Spread the word. Help me grow this thing. It's a lot of fun, and the more people we have in our little club, the the better it's going to be. So here it is. I'm going to leave you with Hey Mario from the band Patent Pending, Rob's band, and I'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot.
Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.